This episode is thanks to Bougie Smile. What's better than getting your teeth widened? Well, getting your teeth widened while listening to R&B and hip-hop music. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. That's right, it's Danny Kavanagh and I'm back with Season 2 of the Left of Field podcast. Welcome to all my old listeners and hello to any new listeners out there. I am thrilled to be bringing you another jam-packed season full of excellent interviews with some really inspiring sporting figures. Well, today we're going to get straight into it and we're going to chat to a professional golfer. His name is Hayden Barron. Hayden is originally from Perth and right now he's on his first tour over in the eastern state. He's a really down-to-earth guy and he's got a great story behind him. So why don't we just jump straight in and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hayden Barron, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going? I'm good, thank you, Danny. How are you? Very good, thank you. I'm excited. You're my first person I'm interviewing for season two of the Left of Field podcast. So congratulations and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks very much. It's an absolute honour and thanks for having me on. No worries. Now, you're not currently in Perth. You were one of the lucky ones that maybe were able to escape the prison here and I don't know how you're going to get back. Good luck with that. But tell us all where you currently are now. Yeah, currently in Geelong, just on the western side of the Melbourne Bay, down in Barwon Heads, I'm in, just preparing for the Victorian Open this week. And I was uh, in Melbourne for a couple of weeks prior, just doing a bit of practice on my week's off. So. Now, you're a freshly minted pro golfer. Why did it take you so long to make that step up? Because you've been ready for it for a while, haven't you? Yeah, there was obviously obvious COVID that, that made it a little bit difficult for us. So I think I elected just to stay amateur through the last couple of years because I was probably aware that there wasn't going to be a lot of pro events going on and there was going to be a lot of restrictions happening. So fortunately, being a part of the Golf Way high performance program back home, you know, they made it pretty comfortable for us with events back home and, and stuff to play in. And, you know, it was quite a comfortable place to be, especially with the way the WA restrictions are. But yeah, I went to European Tour School back in 2019, which is when I kind of first thought I was ready to give it a crack and I was unsuccessful. And since then, there's not been another opportunity to get out on European Tour. So yeah, it's just been refined to an amateur scene. So how have you prepared then for your first pro tournament? Is it different to preparing Um, for the amateurs? Not really. I think did a couple of international trips as an amateur for a number of years over to the UK and, and to the US and... I think playing the really world-class events that they host over there with really solid players makes it a bit easier with the transition. I feel like I've played in some really strong fields already and, you know, coming into professional events definitely is eye-opening. And the Australian PGA, which was my first event as a pro, I was was bricking myself the first couple of days. But overall, I think it's pretty much the same. You know, you got to go, you got to play good golf. And if you play good golf, you'll be rewarded. So then what separates those who make it and then those who, you know, miss out? Is it just physical ability, or do you reckon mental game plays a lot? Yeah, I think touch on the mental side, I think it's interesting, you know, for example, this week, everyone that's playing can can hit it really well and can putt really well and can chip really well. But, you know, the guys that, that can back themselves and that can go into each round with confidence and ready to give the course a good tear, that'll do the best. And then, so personally, if you miss a short part or you have a bad shot, how do you get over that in a game? How do you move past it so quickly for the next shot? 
yeah, it's a tough one. It's probably taking a few years of practice to get to where I am, and I'm still definitely haven't experimented it. But we had a mentoring session with the successful New Zealand pro Michael Long um, back home, and and he gave me a good um, idea about walking off the green. And once you walk through the ropes, and before you get to the next tee, he likes to think about a, a water chamber filling up with water. And once that's filled, which is when you get to the next tee, you've got to uh, you've got to shut the bolt off, and, and that's done for the day. So. I like to refer back to that a little bit if I'm struggling, but majority of the time I'm, I'm pretty chilled out there and I can go the last shot before I need to hit the next one. In the game, I mean, 18 holes is a lot and I kind of space out maybe around hole 13. You know, how do you stay present throughout the game? Do you play a bit, do you? I've, I've attempted. I do like the driving <laughs> range. Yeah, the driving range is a bit more fun. It's a bit easier to stay focused, I think. Yeah, no, you're definitely not. That's where Caddy can come into it. Or, you know, if there's fans up there watching, you can kind of communicate with them and just try and switch off in between shots. But, yeah, you definitely can't be focused for all 18. I mean, tournament rounds, sometimes we can be out there for five and a half hours out on course, probably close to the max, unfortunately. And, you know, then you've got your hour, hour and a half prep before. So, you know, you can't focus for seven hours straight. You've got to be able to switch off soak up the nature in between the shots. So what did the day in the life look like for you? You know, is playing professional golf as fun as some people might think it might be? Oh, it's definitely fun. Don't get me wrong. And, it's, and it, you know, it's a good lifestyle, but it's an interesting one. I think, you know, everyone obviously sees the good side to everything through, you know, the media and whatnot. And, you know, there's a lot of success stories and whatnot. But there's a lot of guys that play and, and that struggle. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of week and week. I mean, you can, I played, for example, my first pro event was the Australian PJ and I played really well, finished in the top 15. I think I finished 12th. And then I missed the cut the next week at the Queensland PJ and played some of the worst golf I've played in years. So, you know, you can kind of go one week and be at an extreme high and the next week be an extreme low. And it's about not getting sucked into either of those and just trying to kind of stay centered amongst, you know, your tournament times and, yeah, trying to stay as neutral as you can, I guess. It is a professional sport, so I imagine there's quite a bit of training that goes into it and people might not expect, you know, the different types of training you might do. How do you train for a tournament? I mean, for a tournament, pretty much ready to go by the time we get there. In the long run, I mean, I've done a, a number of years with a golf-specific personal trainer and I've done a few years with a sports site. And then obviously I've been, you know, practicing six days a week for the last 10 years, so... There's a lot that goes into it. I feel like you're never really switched off. You're always trying to tinker with something or, you know, you're communicating with someone to try and organise a, a new putter or, you know, make sure you've got enough golf balls or whatnot. So it is a tough one. I definitely feel like it's a seven-day-a-week job. But, no, I really enjoy it and, yeah, I wouldn't be doing anything else. So how many rounds of golf would you play a year? How many for fun and how many competitively? I mean, I play a lot of nine holes at home practice. But, I mean, if we were talking 18-hole rounds, a year, I'd say definitely 200 at least. I would say, yeah, 200 rounds of 18 and, you know, it's probably 100 rounds of nine holes, 100 days worth of nine holes. So, yeah, I mean, I probably would, I generally would practice six, six or seven days a week. So whether or not that's on the course or just on the practice facilities, but, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a full-time thing. So then over the years, how many hole-in-ones have you got? <laughs> Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me this question. <laughs> but uh, I've had one. I've had one. So I'm in the club. Definitely not a, at the top of the leaderboard, that's for sure. Obviously, you remember which course and when you got that. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, it was it was at Cottesloe Golf Club in a pro am actually. It was the Cot Open. Um and I was kind of pretty fresh to being up and around the lead in, in the bigger event. It was the first round. I remember I still remember I teed off in the morning on the first eight drive at a ten foot and just missed my eagle putt, tapped in for a birdie and then I made my hole in one on the second and there yeah, it was a how far was a hundred and sixty seven metres slightly downhill when they hit a seven iron landed just a foot right of it and hopped in and then I proceeded to birdie three, four, bogey five and then birdied six, seven, eight to turn in I think seven under. So it was a good uh, opening nine holes and uh yeah, I won't forget that anytime soon. And so then what's your favourite course to play on? Is that one of your favourites? Because, you know, good track record there or <laughs> around, you know, the, around the world you've played. What are some of your favourite courses? Yeah, I, I, that's definitely a great hole. And that second hole at and, mm-hmm. and Cot's a great course. Um, my favourite course is definitely my home course, West Australian Golf Club in Yokine. I think that's, that's, that's a nice club. That's a nice, that's a nice club. Yeah, it's beautiful. I've been there since I started playing and I'll never be anywhere else, but I've played some pretty cool courses. I've played St Andrews Old Course, which is obviously um, rich in history. I played a couple of big amateur events over there um, a couple of years in a row. I played a course called Woodhall Spa in the northeast of England, which was really, really good. That's where England Golf based their training facility out of. And then I've played a, a, a few really cool courses through America. My favourite probably would be Brookside. Brookside Country Club in Columbus, Ohio. Really cool course. Once again, really rich in history. They host the US Open qualifier there and the members all get around it. And the clubhouse is amazing. And American American golf just done a little bit differently than everywhere else. So it's always a, a pretty cool experience to get over there. Yeah, it's next level, I think. The fans and the whole experience must be pretty pretty daunting when you're a new, newbie on the scene. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I haven't played over there as a pro yet, but the bigger amateur stuff, there was still plenty of people out watching and supporting. And I just think the hospitality and, and the way that they look after you over there is just insane. And the clubhouses and they've got some really cool little, um, I guess, locker rooms, I think they call them. And that, that particular course, I mean, we played a trans-Mississippi amateur there. And the men's locker room's got a couple of pool tables, a couple of ping-pong tables. It's just got all the food you can imagine, just all there ready to be taken and yeah, a couple of couches, a couple of TVs. It's almost like a little bit of a sports bar in there and, you know, the men's locker room. So it's pretty crazy. You don't see that anywhere here. But, um, yeah, that's American golf for you. Obviously mentioned their pool table. You must get a lot of downtime on the on the tours. What do you do in your spare time? Yeah, that's a good question. I've had the last couple of weeks off after two weeks in Queensland. So I guess I try to take a couple of days off, but no more than three generally because I feel like I kind of lose my feel after – yeah, three days plus. I like to try and hit the gym, you know, five or six days a week. That's not a tournament week. And then during tournament week, probably a couple of days less than that. So I'll, I'll still do that. And then, yeah, it's just, it just depends where I am. Last week I was down in Dramana, which is down in the Mornington Peninsula. So I had a look at the sites that were to be seen down there, spent a bit of time down the beach. And yeah, after a couple of days, just went out and, and got back into it. And then we came down to Geelong and played the course we were playing this week on the Thursday. And then... I actually had a surfing lesson on um, the Saturday, which was the first time I've ever jumped in the surf. And, How'd you go? Um, How'd you go? Got back into it today. So, oh yes, that's sorry. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was good. Um, I like to think I shredded it up. I like. I've been telling people I spent a couple of hours in the green room, but no one's no one's believing me just yet. But no, it's, uh, it was really good fun actually. It was. I was just surfing the uh, whitewash on a foamy, so I don't think it was 
anything that's going to see me entering the Rip Curl Pro anytime soon. But no, definitely something that I'm keen to have another crack at for sure. Yeah, you won't be going from one tour to the next quite yet. <laughs> well, I could take the circle with me and do two at once if they uh, coincide. That'd be perfect. Are you like me? You like to drink red wine and lots of coffee, but you really want to brighten your smile? Well, why not head to Bougie Smile? Why not head to Bougie Smile? In Mount Lawley, they are offering clinically proven teeth whitening treatments while you listen to hip hop and R&B music. And in those 60 short minutes, you'll have the brightest smile with results ranging from four to 10 shades whiter. When I got it done, I actually improved by eight shades whiter. So it is well worth it. And it's so simple, so fun with the R&B music. You sit in the chair and I literally was dancing. So why not give it a go? Use the code LEFTOFFIELD when booking with a bougie smile and you will get a very nice 15% discount. Brighten your teeth and drink all that red wine and coffee and not be afraid to smile. And so there are a few strange rules in golf. Do you, what is your opinion on the rules? Is there any that you'd like to see change? Um, well, I don't even think I know them all, to be honest. A, there must be a, there must be a thousand rules or maybe even more. I have no idea. I think the rules are pretty good. We saw a, a fair few different changes start at 21, I think, tapping down any imperfections on the green. You never used to be able to do that. It was purely repairing um, ball marks. So I I'm personally wasn't a huge fan of that, but it's made a bit more sense to me since we've been playing, so I don't mind that. A lot of guys would like to see the rule changes if you're in the fairway and you're in someone else's divot, you can get a preferred lie. But I'm a bit of a stickler for players that lie, so I'm pretty happy with the way things are. And yeah, I guess without them being presented to you, you don't really think about any of the flaws. So just do what I'm told and, and make sure I don't have to call for a rule official too often. Normally means you're in a bit of trouble. So. And so how important is it then that you get fitted for your clubs? Yeah, it's very important, especially someone like myself. I'm, I'm a big fella, I'm 6'6", six, six, so... I've got an extra inch in all my irons in length, and then they also bend the club at the um, at the hosel and can make it either more flat or more upright, depending on uh, the way you swing it and and your body as well. So it's definitely very important for anyone that um, wants to take it seriously. I think starting off, you could definitely start with just the stock set if you weren't sure if you were going to get into it or you just wanted to go for a hit. But if you're going to take it um, at all seriously or, or you know, you're going to join up at a club, I think it's definitely very important. And so with equipment endorsements, uh, is your favourite club, you know, one that you are endorsed by or, you know, do you wish you were playing with different balls and different clubs? No, no, I've always been a massive fan of, of Cobra Puma and, um, you know, I was so even before I was getting supported by them. So I'm very happy that I managed to snap that up and, yeah, that won't be going anywhere anytime soon, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've used those guys for probably probably coming up six years and I've dabbled around with golf balls a little bit. I used the Strixon for a few years, a Callaway for a couple of years and now I'm using the Thomas Pro V, which is probably the most recognisable out there um, and that's, that's going well as well. I'm not a huge tinkerer with, with equipment. I like to kind of find stuff that I like and just stick with it and then obviously when new models come out, which is sometimes uh, with, with Fairway Woods, for example, that's generally once a year. I'll compare it to my previous one. If it's better, I'll play it. If it's not, I won't. I don't really like changing too much. I like to kind of keep things simple and just play with what I know. 
you've stuck to the script there. You're very well media trained. And so <laughs> amateurs are always asking the professionals for the tip. What's their tip? What would you say yours is? Just don't take it too seriously. I think a lot of guys that play once a week get caught up in having to do this and having to do that with the golf swing. And, you know, they know well and good they're not going to go and practice three or four days a week to get any better. And then they get out there Saturday, play their Saturday comp and, and make the same errors again and get frustrated themselves. I think, you know, we're spending 40 hours a week practicing and we still make errors a fair few times around. So I think if you can go out there and enjoy yourself, have a laugh with whoever you're playing with and, and just have fun. I think that's uh, that's the best advice. And, you know, you generally get your best out of your golf if you're just having a good time. So, obviously, you're at a tournament right now. You know, you're working on your game. What is an area that you really want to focus on now, future, you know, to progress and go to that next level and become a pro that everyone's talking about? I think there's there's been a little bit of a shift in golf in the, in the last few years with Bryson DeChambeau. I'm not sure if you know who that is, but he's been making a, a big change with um, – the driving and, and the and the tee shots and he's he went through a massive body change. I think he put on maybe twenty or thirty kilos in one off season and all of a sudden just started started ripping it and he's hitting it really far. And obviously golf, you know, an old saying is drive for show and putt for dough, but I think it's putting still extremely important, but it's definitely trending into uh, how far you can hit it because the golf courses have all been extended. The back tee box is on the back fence on every hole and they can't push, obviously, green complexes any further back. So, you know, guys that can hit it really far can, can make up massive advantages on the field, get it right up close to greens. Then, obviously, the closer you are, the tidier the dispersion is and, and the more birdies you can make. So I hit it pretty far already, but that's something I'm constantly working on through the gym and, and with my fitting guys at, at Cobra Puma Australia, just making sure that I've got the best out of my equipment and that I can hit it as far as I can. But that's something that's definitely going to be on the back burner for a while. Other than that, I just think my putting, I, I putt well, but, you know, putting is very important and, and you can have on days and off days pretty pretty quickly with putting. So it's, it's something that you've definitely got to stay on top of. So that change in physique then of the of a professional golfer, players have had to commit a lot more. You can't just go out there and, you know, have a hit. You've got to actually be physically strong. Are you just training more intensely? Have you seen guys drop off because they're not as fit? I don't think I've seen guys drop off, but the younger guys, all of the younger guys out here hit it further than the older guys. And that's just because, you know, when, when the older guys came up through the tour, that wasn't the way. The way was you'd drive it into play and then you'd hit your second shot close. Whereas now, with the way the courses are, majority of them are, are open enough that you can hit driver as hard as you can. And if you're in the rough or in the tree line 50 out from the green, you can still have a good shot in the pin as opposed to someone who's maybe in the fairway but have got 120, 130 metres in. It's obviously a lot easier to hit, you know, a pitch shot closer than a full nine iron. And, you know, that's the way it's going. But, yeah, I don't think I've seen guys drop off. But the younger guys, I mean, there's guys that are coming through now that are, you know, 18, 19 and hitting it, you know, pretty much as far as me, which is obviously, you know, I've got eight years in them. So it's the golf, the golf game changed with Tiger and it looks like it's changing again with Bryson and, and the other guys that are, you know, ripping it on tour. You mentioned Tiger there and some of the other guys. Who would you love to have a round of golf with? I don't actually have a favourite golfer, but I really like Henrik Stenson. He's a he's a Swedish fella. He seems like a he seems like a legend. So I definitely like to play a game with him. Obvious Tiger, but you know I wasn't really playing golf when Tiger was dominating. I started a little bit later, so I kind of missed his era a bit, to be honest. So I'm, I'm probably not as big of a fan of him as a lot of guys are. But yeah, they'd probably be my my top two. 
so and Brighton as well, actually. I want to see Brighton hit it. Yeah. Do you reckon there's any chance of you getting over there internationally to play with them soon? Yeah, well, I've got to make my way out onto a main tour if I want to play with those guys. It's definitely my goal. I'm hoping that the was previously called European Tour, but the now DP World Tour qualifying series goes ahead. That's scheduled for October. So I'll head over there if it continues and try and get through that qualifying series. And then if I can make it out of the main tour, I'll be playing against them every week. So that's the plan. And yeah, hopefully it can happen. Saudi Arabia recently just put a massive spend into golf. Would you plan to head over there, try and make some big money? Uh, I don't want to say anything too political. I haven't really, I haven't really put any thought into it. I know I've seen that People think they're trying to, to hide their issues with uh, sporting events. So, I mean, for me now, um, it's all it's all about how much money I can make, and that's not personally, but that's for that's the way that you can kind of get your tour card. It's all just done on an order of merit system. So, if there was a big event in Saudi and it was worth a bit, then yeah, I'd definitely go. But yeah, I, I don't know. I thought there was a new Saudi kind of tour coming up, and I'm, I don't I don't know enough about it yet, so I can't really comment on that one. And so I like to ask all my guests on the show a motto that they like to live life by. So when times get tough or what gets you out of bed in the morning, what are some words that have really inspired you throughout your career and in your day-to-day life? Yeah, I don't know if, it, if I've gotten into uh, inspirational, but my uncle's got an absolute ripper, which I love. And he just says it is what it is. And he's, he's said that for, for a very long time and it's kind of a bit of a joke between my mum and I now. But it's so true. It is what it is. It's, is a great saying. You know, I think a lot of guys, when they're playing, they look back on what happened and what could have happened and, you know, what should have happened. But, you know, what did happen is what did happen. So, you know, you've just got to take it and um, and move on, really. So I really love that saying. And, you know, it's sometimes tough to think when you're, when you're trying to give your sob story or, or think about what's going wrong on the course of the day. But it's, it's very true. And, yeah, I think it's a great saying. No, it's a good one to live life by. We can all live by those words. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me today and giving us a bit of an insight into the, the pro tour in Australia. Good luck over the next week in Victoria and good luck for the rest of the year. Hopefully you can, you know, be able to travel around a lot more freely and get to a lot of those competitions and make some big money. Yeah, fingers crossed, Danny. Thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate it.